Now, you may have already planted your fall garden, and you may be looking at it thinking, what is the deal? When is my fall garden really going to take off? Well, we're going to try and give you a little bit of insight into that today because it can be frustrating. We're going to talk about when your fall garden will actually thrive right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens Podcast, where we talk about all things gardening. We're your hosts, Ben and Batavia, and you can find me gardening in the country. And you'll find me gardening in the city. Get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening, where we learn to grow and grow for change. All right, everybody, if you're new to the show, thank you for joining this beautiful podcast we have all about backyard gardening. And if you'd like to support the show, because we are a listener-supported show, you can check us out on Patreon. Link is down below, amongst other ways to help, but you will get two extra episodes a month, and you can come check us out on YouTube and help support us. So um, all you got to do is like and subscribe on that, and enjoy some of our content. But... Let's get on to the regularly scheduled program with the dinging. <laughs> this is my new signal for the ding. It's also a snake signal. All right. Yeah, that is the snake snake signal. It reminds me of a Cobra Kai. We've been watching that with my son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He loves it. Anyways, shameless plug for that show. <sighs> Fall gardening can be stressful, can it? It can. But I have a new attitude. You do? You have a new outlook on life? Do, 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 do. Well, no, I just have a new attitude for the moment. <laughs> for today's show, everybody, I'm going to kick my feedback and let Batavia share her new, her new outlook with us. No. Um, I know that for me, because it's so hot, I'm in, if you're new to the show and you don't know, I'm in zone 8A and Batavia is in... 6A as in apple. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to go back to shout out to yeah all the old timers uh, for the podcast that remember the episode where I said a different thing and made a 6A out of myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were very um, hell bent on that but anyways um, so it's so hot here that things will struggle at first and it never ceases to amaze me that there's like this turning point within the year that can Mm -hmm. kind of help with that, you know, that helps turn the garden around. And it's, it's shocking to me because you watch things grow all summer and they just, they grow, you know what I mean? And they thrive and there's stuff that loves the heat stuff that doesn't like it so much, but. And then you have the moment where kind of that warm weather and cool weather kind of meet. Yep. Right. You know? And so I haven't pinpointed the win on my calendar that that transition happens, that switch happens. But a surefire sign is when my heat loving crops are kind of like crying for mercy. Yeah. You know, like that's the beginning of the shift, right? Because guess what? They're no longer thriving and it's time for, you know, a new show in town. Once you start. All crops, cool weather crops. Once you start uh, harvesting only green tomatoes, maybe. I think that's perhaps the beginning of it. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? 
Yeah, I think um, as you walk past pepper plants, your jalapenos, and you just see for the last week the same six red jalapenos. Yeah. Right? Like nothing else is changing colors. Nothing else is maturing further. Wait, you Um, let your jalapenos go red? I try to, especially if I'm making like a particular dish, not all of them. Like if I do cowboy candy or something, I want a mixture of green and a few red in there. Okay. So I'll let them go red. Yeah, I don't ever let mine go red. It's kind of weird. Um, Well, you know, that is the sign of a mature pepper. Is it? Or is it the corking Mm. on the pepper? Oh, ooh. I think corking, isn't it a delicacy or something? Like, don't pay pe- people pay big bucks? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cork, you know what the corking is, right? It's the, the, the a, a sign of ripeness. The, the little lines con- that come up in the pepper, like the texture. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. I know what it is. I thought you were trying to ask me if I knew why it happened. Oh, no, no. Um, I don't know why it happens. I know that when I pick my green um, jalapenos that are corked, they're mm-hmm. at like the perfect heat for me. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, too, which kind of made me start doing that is when I buy jalapenos from the store, they're never red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I kind of took yeah, yeah. a, I took one from El Paso and said, you know what, I'm going to roll with it. So... And I get more peppers. Yeah, I think though that, um, so I don't have any history on like, you know, originally all of the peppers were red. Um, but I still believe that the idea of, cause a lot of us have come to know, you know, these peppers as green and you're going to get them off the plant sooner. I mean, it's, just, you know, yeah. <laughs> so farmers are going to be able to harvest green jalapenos before they harvest red. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. But we are not here to talk about jalapeno peppers. That is actually the exact opposite thing that we're here to talk about. But we digress as usual. Yeah, man, I was yeah, I was watching you, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna jump in here. Like, yeah. if you're gonna take me on this ride, I'm going, man. I opened the door. I got my seatbelt on and my door. helmet, but I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we're gonna kind of break down. We're going to break down when your garden is going to thrive, but I think we're also going to end up talking about how we can get it to thrive maybe a little bit earlier and just kind of get you there. We'll try and give you a little bit, or at least I will, and um, hopefully Batavia will go on that ride. She'll put her seatbelt on for that ride, too. And we can kind of get, you know, get everybody there just a little bit earlier. But I, I think it's really dependent on the zones you were in, the weather of where in which where you live. You know, I think mm-hmm. you're um, like in zone when I lived in zone six and you live in zone six, it was a much faster and harder turn towards mm-hmm. the fall mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in North Carolina, we only have two seasons, really summer and winter. So and it really does live up to that standard well some people say that and some people say we have 19 seasons but i go by the two seasons <laughs> in this moment and in the midwest for me and um, i'll just call illinois in particular and kind of bordering states like i may change my mind on this but in this moment i feel like the kind of summer into fall is more gradual and i say that because i was just talking about this on a video like um my melons um we're just starting to climb the trellis and this is like at the beginning of august and so while in my zone now and i've double checked this my average first frost date is november the first 
versus a couple of days earlier. But it's not like as of November the 1st, there's a chance of frost and it's been super hot all the way up until that point. Yeah, you know? exactly. So for me, you know, mid-September, it could go either way. You know, your weather is, is cooling down. You'll still get some 90 degree days every now and again, but those night temps are starting to get cooler. So by the time you get to, so again, that's gradually happening. By the time you get to October and get into that first frost, I think that's where it, that's the steep uh, downhill for you you know like that thing turns over yeah so it goes from you get that average uh you know run across that average frost date and you know the temps could be 30s 40s for the next week or two you know so that cold once it hits it hits yeah and see for us it's it's quite the opposite those 90 degree, degree days will just last and last mm-hmm. and then you know once we start getting around our first frost date I mean, we definitely get a frost, but we can rebound. Like, we'll get a frost, and then the next week it'll be almost summer again. You know, next two weeks, three weeks, and then we'll get a frost. And, you know, so we can go back and forth and really, you know, I mean, like I like to call it, it's either one or two things, a heartbreak zone or the yo-yo season. So, I mean, we, you know, we deal with that a lot. But once we get in to winter, our temperatures, we will definitely get into the freezing temperatures at night. But we, we can mm-hmm. easily rebound into the 50s, 60s, and sometime, at some point, even the 70s during the week, during the day, during the week, because on the weekends, you know, it's only cold, but during the week, it's not. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll kind of stay within that zone and range. But see, that's kind of the issue is these wild temperature fluctuations. Yeah. And that's what makes it kind of difficult for us. But it also helps me, too, because I can save a lot more seeds. So that yeah, kind of helps yeah, me in that situation too. Yeah, because I've I've made my biennial plants think that they are in fact in their second year. Mm-hmm, Tricks mm-hmm. on you, Mister Plant. I got you. <laughs> so I um I I do think though when it comes to um that weather, if you're so regardless of your zone number, if you're in a place you're it's going to be the lower zones, but if you're in a place where you're able to grow. Maybe they don't thrive, but you're able to grow those cooler weather crops throughout the summer or very late into the spring and early summer. If you're in a place like that, then I'll say that your fall weather is probably, um, you know, kind of on that mild side, too. So as an example, my... I'm going to say kale because I, I, you know, there's only so many opportunities to talk about my beloved collards. So my kale... um, grows and kind of it's pretty stagnant but it grows throughout the season growing season so i planted it in april may june july august september it's the plants are still just fine yeah harvesting leaves and so on there's not a lot of new growth right um and so in that instance i don't have as much um of a struggle when i put out new plants in the fall with that yo-yoing heat right Right. Because they've already lived through 70, 80, 90 degree weather. Yeah. You know, throughout the summer. Um, now, I'm still at the point of thriving when we're there. Um, however, that's an indicator to me that these crops are going to be OK. Right. Um, but why? <clears throat> there's two things. Well, so I'm going to talk about one thing and then I'm going to actually talk about the other. So the first thing I'm going to talk about some weather differences and something that shocked me. Um, I remember when I was younger, I dated a young lady from, um, I was much younger, uh, Kansas. 
And she used to tell me stories. So we like started dating around winter time, and she would tell me that she would tell me that um, it would be so cold there that mm-hmm. they would have to like boil water and put it in the bathtubs and stuff like that just to kind of get the temperature up. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember being surprised by that. But then in the same breath, she would tell me that in the summertime it would easily break 100 degrees you know high 90s and it'd be like sweltering Mm -hmm. heat and it just shocked me because it's like man that is like total opposites you know you're talking about super cold and like super super hot in these within a six month span and it's just it's kind of shocking to me you know what i mean yeah yeah it's um yeah because if you didn't have any experience with any other places besides where you live, your natural inclination could be, oh, if it gets that cold, generally speaking, the weather is always on the colder side. So in summer, you know, you'd think, yeah. oh, well, it's not super hot there, right? You know, yeah. like, how can you get that cold and then go on the other end of the spectrum exactly. and, you know, get that hot? Well, you know and to saying? be fair, this was in the beginning of readily accessed internet like internet had been out for a while but it it wasn't come like it was very common to go to somebody's house and there would not be an internet connection there you know we have moved past aol at that point go ahead were you all still traveling through uh horse and buggy Look, my point. <laughs> no, my point was like, especially when you're no, young and you, had, you know, you get your first, you know, you're moving out into your first houses or whatever. Like, you can't afford mm-hmm, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now you have to have it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It was just, it was like you said, though. Like, I always thought that the weather was either really hot if you went north mm-hmm. or, or south and really cold if you went north. And it was, there was no difference because the weather where I lived was the weather everywhere in my mind because I didn't know any better, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. now it's different now. I mean, think about doing this podcast. I don't know. Let's just pick a number. 20 years ago, we'd be having a totally different conversation. I'd be sitting here shocked at what some of the yeah. stuff you tell me. Yeah. You'd be like, what voodoo do you speak of? You yeah. say you want to have vegetables in your garden in, in November, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, because even in North Carolina, like you would still like it's not openly com- it's not really super common to plant in the winter like I do. So, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. collards, yes, but, you know, all the other stuff that I plant. So it's kind of like it is like you said, it's like voodoo, like what? Mm-hmm. But now the information age is upon us so um yeah that's a part of the reason why i think i do versus i don't know for sure for you but a re- part of the reason why i do what i do and the ways that i do it as far as sharing kind of uh, my garden and my garden experience and one of the reasons i love talking on this show because sometimes even now you still don't know what's possible Unless someone else has done it. I'm not going to botch the whole Roger, Roger, what's his name with the four minute mile, you know, how many people had tried and failed. And then after he hit the four minute mile, how many people since then, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands, you know. And so when you look at kind of the way and the access we have to gardening now and you see someone like you, right, in North Carolina with a basket full of root vegetables, you know, heading into Christmas, like. 
that's boss, man. You know, And so not only does that say something about the folks that live in North Carolina or near that area, I think it also makes a note in anyone's head that gardens like, huh, I wonder, I wonder how much I can push the envelope in my area. Yeah. Um, I've seen so. videos of people in Chicago that get full harvest throughout the entire winter. Now there's a little bit more to what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but absolutely. I've definitely seen it, <clears throat> which is promising when you see, it's just like you said, when you see that you're now you have a benchmark in which you can strive for. Yep. And that's pretty cool. I like that. I don't, know which came first the cart or the horse i don't know if i had the desire the horse definitely came first and i uh ran across or chicken or egg and i came across um a chicago gardener and in his channel and he was doing all kinds of wonderful things when it comes to extending his season or if i saw what he did and said you know hold on now it could be two of us yeah Uh, but either way you know i think that um being able to kind of look at what you can do in fall is just the beginning of it. You know, before we even get into winter and we won't really talk about winter in this series or this episode in particular, but 20 years ago, it would have been like, what's why bother? You know, like why would you try to plant something as fall comes around and all it's going to do is die, you know, in a month or two. But that's not how this works. Well, and, you know, it doesn't have to work that way. Let me say it that way. If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that my grand. I have. Oh, you have? have. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my grandfather was a big time gardener and it's where I draw a lot of my knowledge and inspiration from. But I remember in the wintertime, I mean, he, he rolled the doors up and he sat in the house <laughs> and, you know, he I just did a YouTube video where I kind of talked about this, but he's he started seeds in his house in the wintertime, mm-hmm. which and this is before I was alive. But in the 70s and 60s, that's a big damn deal to start seeds in your house. That wasn't like, let me go get a ten dollar LED light that draws, you know, 25 cents worth of power a week. You know, this was a full setup that the man had. But in the wintertime, he didn't do it. Now, if he knew that there was a benchmark in which to set, he may have done that. But he didn't know that. You know, it's it's, inter- it's an interesting concept. I'm trying to think back. Um, it could have been 10 years ago, maybe even, you know, less time than that, that I realized that home gardeners were doing that. Yeah. All the time before then. It just never occurred to me. Starting I'd seeds? See seed, yeah, yeah, starting seeds indoors. I'd see seed packets in the stores. I was still just always buying transplants then, but even the seed packets that I walked past, I guess in my mind, I just assumed that it was, and it would have been a term I didn't know then, but that they were direct sowing those. It never occurred that's, to yeah, me that, you know. That's what I thought originally you know. too. Because, you know, mm-hmm. when I started sowing seeds too, back when um, the Model T Ford was out, they <laughs> the, the LEDs were not you know the LED light bulb was I think the LED Christmas bulbs had just come out and they were you know I mean anybody who's bought an LED Christmas bulb is like they're you know they were terrible but they were just starting to come out and they were like outrageously expensive so for me to see that before I really started digging and learning about all of this stuff and finding out that like, Hey, I can use like a regular light bulb, which even back in the, back in my grandfather's day, you couldn't use a regular incandescent light bulb. They didn't work like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I was the same way. I was like, Oh, these fools are just out there sticking tomato seeds right in the ground, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> which I wasn't interested in at all because I knew enough to know that like I would never get a harvest. But and the other thing that I'm well, 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 well. So I do have. I know. Uh huh. Go ahead. And again, we're 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 on. This is fall, but for the record, I do have, and many people have volunteer tomatoes which is just from a seed that was in the ground now i'm not gonna stock up my pantry with tomato sauce from those volunteers you know and it's a great example of the size that they get um because they started basically from seed you know by the time the temperature warmed up enough for that seed to uh germinate and so on uh it's just not satisfactory when it comes to the amount the potential the plant could have if you gave it that head start right so the other thing that I wanted to talk about, it's a good segue though. Um, I wanted to talk. You use the word thrive, and we've talked about that, you know, periodically throughout this. What we're going to call the intro. Um, thriving is when you look at your fall plants and you see fresh, new, green growth, health. You know what I mean? Not the, you know, constant. I don't want to call it yellowing, but it could be that or the struggling Mm -hmm. of plants in the heat, stuff like that. Like you're going to at some point, you're going to end up walking outside and seeing like, oh, my lettuce has got nice, crisp, plump leaves. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to start seeing that. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're referring to when we talk about the thriving of the, you know, the fall crops and the fall garden. So it's a go ahead. It could be really eye opening, you know, so I'd say maybe a, a third, a quarter of the time I've been gardening. So, excuse me, just a handful of years have I seen um, kind of all of the plants that I grow in their most ideal growing time. Yeah. Right. So it's not my place to comment. Right. When I see things online and I've looked back on some things I've posted, I've looked back on some videos even that I've shared where I am showing and beaming at a plant and it's not that it's not healthy there's been a bunch of that it's not that it's not healthy but it's you know lettuce in july right and you can look at the difference between a a lettuce plant in july and in my garden in a lettuce plant in april yeah or a lettuce plant in november right you know and so um while i actually had recently shared a post it's like you know, it ain't always pretty. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I have I pulled some things out of my garden that aren't pretty, right? You know, and have still been edible and still have been delicious. But what I'm talking about is you know, vegetables that are planted in a time where they are going to be most successful. They have an opportunity to thrive. And to be able to see that juxtaposed to something that you kind of, you push the envelope too much, you know, um, it's something to be said um, when you kind of, that light bulb goes off and you're like, oh, this is what this is supposed to look yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed to see some like shriveled up, like hurt ass leaves. Like you're supposed to see yeah. something like, it's, you know, and it's like your tomatoes. Like for me, May and June is like peak, pretty, beautiful growth, happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from that point on, July, August, September, it's like, ugh, this is yeah. a tomato plant. You know what I mean? So um, I'm going to get, I'm, is it okay if I go ahead and just give that moment in which it thrives? Absolutely. So I would say absolute thriving for a fall. And feel free to debate me on this if you'd like, but. I think it's going to be when you're getting your temperatures at night 
and I'm going to get real specific and know that there is about a five degree temperature swing either way, but I'm just going to put it on a number. I think that it's about 35 degrees at night and about 50 to 55 degrees during the day. And that's when you're really going to start seeing it. What do you, what, what do you think? I'll meet you there with a the five degree sway. Yeah. I haven't studied it long enough to really say no, but my instinct said something like, in response to what you said, because I didn't have time to formulate my own original thought on this, uh, was something more like 40s as a low, definitely 50s as a high, because once you get into the 60 degree Fahrenheit temps, man, that sun could be beating down. It could be a lot warmer than what you think. And the garden responds to that. So I think that that's kind of, you know, that sweet spot. So to your... your, um, thriving explanation yeah i could see it so the reason and again, we, we ain't talking about tomatoes and peppers no folks, we're, you know? here let me run through the list real quick lettuce collards kale broccolis cauliflowers um cabbages turnips spinach all these are all the ones that we're mm-hmm. talking about you know what i mean mm-hmm. um now i do want to say why i gave that temperature swing and why i went in so low um and that is because 30 degrees doesn't bother any of these plants that we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. None of them. As a matter of fact, there is people, there is, listen to me, there are people out there that swear that some plants get sweeter once they get kissed by a little bit of frost. So that 30 Mm -hmm. degrees is, is that sweet point. Ha ha. You see what I did there? Yeah, I see it. I'm not crazy about it. Remind me to tell you about the, the, the botched story of the sweeter greens test that I screwed the pooch on. Well, let's do I'll it. tell you that another day, though. You, no, no I want to hear it now. Well, I mean, I was building up to it, you know, so when I actually told the story, it was like, womp, womp, womp. People really wouldn't notice. Uh, so I was monitoring my weather. This is last fall. And my greens, uh, specifically kale greens curly kale and collards were in my garden through almost all of december yeah right so we got our first frost like the first week of november and so i knew it was coming and i harvested let's call it november the third was the the night that the temps dipped down to 32 degrees fahrenheit so i harvested a bunch you know six ten leaves of each like on november the second right and then I came back in and said, all right, November the 3rd, they've been kissed by frost. I said, no, 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 no let's, let's wait longer. Let's 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 have them like repeatedly kissed, right? Like completely making out. And so I came back in like, you know, the fourth or fifth or sixth or something like that. A few days later to harvest more. I mean, we had had the repeated, you know, above freezing and below and so Your on. Your kale with um, the second base with the cold? Yeah, 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 okay. absolutely, absolutely. And so then I harvested the next batch. And then something happened. I don't know what, but I only ended up being able to cook the second batch and not those first leaves. Ah. And so I'm like, ah, you missed the, there's no more chance for them, you know, yeah. to go back to their, you know, virgin state. Um, so I'm going to try it again if, if, um, if the weather aligns, you know, and I'm available to do it. I think it'd be interesting. I had a whole skip plan where I was going to, you know, cook the greens. I was going to have like four different pots cooking. Kale in one, pre-kiss, 
Collars and another pre-kiss and then Kale and one post-kiss. Collars and another post-kiss. I welcome you all to try that. You know, if you're up for it, let us know. You, you um, know, I think you might have to do it. You have might have to eat it raw to get a good... Oh, you think? Uh, yeah, I think that might be the best way to like... I mean, it's so easy. You take a bite and then you go cook the rest, so... Yeah, you are a genius. It never, ever, 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 ever occurred to me. I've never been. Acu- I've f- never been accused of being a genius. I, I am truly blushing right now. Thank you. As it relates to this particular, <laughs> obviously, no, yeah. it's for everything. <laughs> no, but it's it makes so much more sense when you think about all of what I would do to cook those things down. Yeah. Right. All right. That's much easier to manage too. To go out there and take a bite. <laughs> mm-hmm, take a bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I would be interested, Leonard. Add it to my calendar. Yeah. New average first frost date is November the 1st. He probably put it on my calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, no. it, that would be a good... 2022, Leonard. 2022. That would, <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be a good um, test for most people to do as well. You know what I mean? Like, just pull a little piece off and bite it. You know, what's mm-hmm. one leaf? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I think a good example is like... Um, you know, a carrot is much more obvious to taste like, oh, this is sweet. I actually had a sweet cucumber getting again off topic. I had a sweet cucumber earlier in the season. And I was just like, whoosh. Yeah. I mean, we know the difference between, you know, homegrown cucumbers and then store bought. But this is actually sweet, which is something pretty interesting. But this is also a good example of like those are moments of if it's really true. I mean, that's thriving, you yeah. know, and it basically changes the the taste profile of the vegetable. Unless you don't like sweet things. I mean, I don't think it's sugary sweet. but Well, and I think we I mean, we definitely just said when it'll thrive. But I think the next logical place to go would be. How can we maybe, you know, bump that up by a couple weeks? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll let you take a stab at it because my idea is pretty simple and straightforward. So maybe you have some other genius. Well, I mean, I have a number of ideas um, and it's just basically science based. But I mean, one of them is obviously uh, shade cloth. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Throw a shade cloth over it. Keep it cooler in the daytime. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think I mean, it, and again, this can be different for everybody's area. But for my area, that may only add a week onto the mm-hmm. front side. You know what I mean? But in your area, you might be able to go a month. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot easier to cool something down from 75 to 65 than it is to go from 95 to 65 or 85 to yeah. 65. And in that example, the I, I wouldn't have described it as I get where you're at, but I wouldn't have described it as speeding it up. But what you definitely are doing is unless you're keeping it on, right? Like that temperature remains much lower, yeah. right? You get there sooner. Um, but you also are protecting it from that um, the struggle that it could go through if it gets too hot. You know, like like plants can be in distress. Yeah. Right. You know, so if you're able to protect it, so to speak, that means that's less for that plant to bounce back from and more on its road to, you know, hip hop parade. It's cooler weather. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's exactly. I can get with you on that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, the one way that you can. And I mean, 
even when it starts to get cooler, you can still leave that shade cloth on and just keep that general temperature cooler during the daytime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it would just prolong it and help it. So, I mean, that's that's kind of an obvious answer. Um, another one, or do you want to give yours? No, because I didn't think that was obvious. So I'm interested in other things that you, you have on your mind that I didn't think about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so another one would be, you know, um, look at the kind of mulch you're using. You know, mm-hmm. um, we don't ever, I don't think we've ever recommended a type of mulch one way or the other, but Batavia and I were kind of a, talking about this on a totally different subject earlier, but if you have like a really dark colored mulch, you can switch it out with something light colored and then that will help with, you know, reflecting the light and not absorbing that heat during the day. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then a, a couple that with watering and stuff like that and you can really dramatically lower the temperature just by doing those two things you can dramatically lower the temperature around your plants and in your plants so that water from that mulch will continue to evaporate during the day and because a lot of the times you know the the old saying is and i, I kind of live by it is you don't harvest your greens in the middle of the day you always get them in the morning when they're full of mm-hmm. that water so if you have if you've watered and your mulch is still damp, then it's releasing the um, it's evaporating around your plants and then the pores of the plants can be soaking up that water and help to continuously plump in the um, the leaves of it. So, you know, and as well as keeping it cool at the same time, because that cool air as you get those cool fall breezes. Remember, we're only talking about fall here. We're not talking mm-hmm. about spring. So as those cool fall breezes come, you know, I don't know anybody that gets a warm fall breeze. I could be wrong. <laughs> there may be somebody out there, but, you know, it'll help cool that plant even more. I was trying to go back and look. I think it's around in September. It's hard for me to say, um, but I'm going to call it around one o'clock. Maybe let's call it noon. So I have two garden beds in my backyard garden that throughout the summer, they're almost completely shaded until around noon during the day. Yeah. Right. And so that is a space. And I've, I've grown a lot of things there. I'm thinking back. I'm trying to remember how many summer crops are grown there, like true summer crops. But that's a different conversation. Um, but so this is the second one that I came up with. The first one I'll still hold. Um if we're only talking about fall and we're not necessarily saying, all right, hold on. And you want to make sure you're still growing in January, a shadier spot in your garden to your point about shade. Yeah. Cloth, right. Like there's some people obviously that have kind of an open uh, garden space, you know, open fields, open um, rows and things where it's all sun beating down. Um, but many of us don't, right? You have structures and things that create shade. And so this is an opportunity for that to benefit you. But mm-hmm. we all have mm-hmm. shade within our garden. If you plant if behind a taller plant, oh. then you can create that shade. So there goes another portion. I mean, that's exactly right. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, I just did a, um, I just did a, a video where I was walking through my garden, kind of talking about what my plan was for fall. I mean, it's still hot as hell here, but there was a portion Mm -hmm. in which I talked about that a lot because I have two beds that get a lot of shade, but the difference is in the, in the late summer, I will get enough sun in which to grow 
I mean, I can grow there all winter, but things kind of struggle a little bit. But my lettuces, which are real heat sensitive, they mm-hmm. actually do better there. So I can do a sowing of that. And then when it's harvested, be done with it, you know, and I went to a little bit more depth in the video, but and then pull it out and remulch it and everything. But, you know, that's definitely something that you can do. And just realize, too, that like once the leaves start to fall, then you're going to get more sun as well. You know, like yeah. I definitely will get more sun when the leaves fall. So and sometimes I, I look at it, I'm like, it can't happen soon enough, even though I don't want it to. But, you know, it'll definitely help my situation. So two things. Last month when you did the start fall seeds with you on YouTube live. Yeah. Under the Backyard Gardens TV. Um one of the questions I asked was around, um, no, no, I, one of the comments maybe it was around seedlings that got leggy. Maybe it was in my head. I may not have said it, you know, in the comments. But anywho, um, the notes, when I plant seedlings in one of these beds, I'm talking about that basically at a point in the day, the sun starts to come out. That's very different than um, where I started some seeds inside of, in this case, the cage babies on the other side of the yard. And those seedlings, you get sun from eight o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, and it's fighting for that sun. Yeah. Right. So that's my cautionary note when it comes to planting behind taller plants. It depends on kind of how that sun is approaching that planting area. Um, So I could plant behind or in front of my tomato plants. Right. But that space gets sun most of the day. And so you're going to have those plants fight for it as opposed to a space that, again, a point in time in the day, the sun starts to get out. It's shaded for the most part. And that same thing occurs if you have a taller plant in an area. You know, so I mean, I, I think that consider your space when you think about either two of those tips. Yeah, I am. Um, I was just thinking as you said that, and I kind of this you may not agree with this, and you may agree with it. I don't know, but I I was thinking that one of the most important things for a gardener is to know their space. And when I say know their space, it's like know the tracking of the sun, know, you know, the time, the seasons in which things start to change. And it's it all comes in time, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trial and error and, and different, you know, testings of plantings and stuff like that. But I think that it's a big it's a, a big advantage for you to know what you're doing in that space and to know, to understand, like, just think about it. Like I'm going into the season knowing that half of my beds won't produce the way they should. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much stress that alleviates for me? Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. knowing that like, Hey, from this point on this, that's it, you know? And you know how I really found out was last year when I had my giant tomatoes, um, come about, August, they really stopped producing, but they were looking really good. Mm-hmm, and it was because mm-hmm, they just mm-hmm. didn't get enough sun. They didn't get enough right. sun to actually produce the tomatoes. So I knew at that point that, hey, this is a situation that's unfolding here. And then over the winter, I noticed it again because one year I planted my Brussels sprouts in that bed. They didn't do good. And the next year I moved them over. And when I say I moved them over, I moved them over four feet. That's it. And it made a big difference in the way they grew. Sure, sure. I think um, 
the benefit though the the bright side of as you go into there is no bright side oh okay (laughs) for you there isn't remember i said i had a new attitude a new outlook so a part of as we get into this cooler weather right because it's coming even for the hottest of hot spaces it's coming um a part of kind of knowing when your garden is thriving is i'm going to call less watering is a moment of thriving for these, you know, kind of fall plantings. Yeah. So the less you need to water, right? Um, it's not to say that those plants don't need um, more, but the uh, quick note, I had some late season annuals. I put one in the basket it came. I hung it up in the backyard and the other was still in my garage. And I just kept on looking like, what happened to that? You know, it's like, it's drooping. And in the little bitty, you know, 10 inch pot or however big those little pots come, the way that sun was baking that set of flowers compared to the one in my garage, I went inside and like put my hand inside of the pot, still moist, you know, still damp. Um, So the idea of how much that water evaporates in the heat of the summer you know, compared to when you look at it's fall now, right? So there isn't a problem because you're watering less, right? If your plants still look healthy, it's just that that weather has shifted. Yeah. Right. So that's another indicator. That's a very good indicator of when it's going to thrive. That's, I mean, I didn't even think about that. I saw it when it clicked for you. Yeah, because I, um, I definitely like in the summertime, I water every other day. You know, deep waterings every day and things dry out within that 48 hour period. But there will be a time where I'll cut it in the three day, every three days, every four days, once a week. And then there may be a time where I only water once every two weeks in the winter time, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a real good point. Now, I do kind of I have the greenhouse, too. So that's a different story. Yeah. So that one and- suck up some water. But. Speaking of water, though, depending on your area, because it's different for a lot of us, if you're starting to get more wet weather, right, you know, so rain and heat, oh, boy, is it a recipe, you know, but if we're getting into a recipe for not so great, you know, (laughs) greatness in the garden, a lot of the summer plants struggle with all of that, um, you know, kind of the back and forth with it, while every garden wants water, um, that kind of back and forth of a lot of heat and a lot of rain. But when you get into fall and you think about, so this is the key, the types of vegetables you're growing are different. Yeah. Right. You know, so um, they can take a beating, if you will, when it comes to kind of that weather being cooler, maybe they're more kind of downpours of rain. Um, So that's again, something to keep in mind and, kind of buckle in and be okay with because these are all moments that are going to be indicators that the garden's going to kind of enjoy <clears throat> the time and space it's heading into and it's less work for the gardener so how about that it's not that it can take a beating it's that it will thrive in that <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Ding>. <laughs> no I mean you know it's important if there's one takeaway from this episode, just one of all of everything that we've said, it would be that when the weather, when you get a freeze and when you, if you've planted correctly mm-hmm. and you see 32 degrees, it is not a time to freak out. It's actually a time to rejoice. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's the real takeaway that I want people to take away from this whole episode is, 
you know, and because it's ingrained in our heads. Because let's face it, we all grow in the warmth. I don't know of a gardener that only plants in the spring and fall unless they have to. But, you know, and if they have to, they probably aren't really getting that cold weather. But, you know, we know that, like, hey, don't put your tomatoes out too early. Don't don't let them get cold. Don't let your peppers get cold. Yeah. Wrap them up in a blanket, you know, give them a little snuggie. <laughs> but these plants are so different, mm-hmm. just like you said. And they, they grow differently. You harvest them differently. They thrive in different temperatures. You seed them differently. It's like a whole new... Like it's it's a whole new style of gardening to say the least. Yeah, I was looking for the video um, for the shameless plug I'm about to give myself. So if you go on YouTube under B Betta B E T T A Garden, there's a video I did last fall. It probably came out in November. It's called Garden Vegetables That Survive the Freezing Temps. Right. So this is like over a course of like five or six or seven days. And there are two things I want to note from that. I have, you know, this is what the vegetables look like on the morning. And we got down to 32 degrees, right? Fahrenheit, you know, and this is after repeated uh, freezes, you know, Um, and you see some things that fare better than others, right? And so these are all cool weather crops that I planted or I had planted. But the thing I want to call out about um, that is... The age of the plant, and depending on that plant, also matters, right? So my older chard, as an example, which chard isn't like really, really hardy, but it can survive some cold temps. My older chard, meaning the plant was older, more specifically, the leaves were older. Boy, did it struggle, boy. It was like me trying to get up off the couch, yeah. you know, <laughs> after three hours of Netflix, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, and compared to my younger And I'm talking about younger, like absolutely like the size of your hand, probably. Um, And so those plants were able to take that cold freeze, cold freeze um, much better and and respond to that. Um, So I also noted there probably were only a couple of things that I had freshly planted. Right. Versus things that had been in my garden that were cool weather crops for a longer period, going back to probably the summer or even the spring. Um, So that, again, goes back to the age of the plants. I don't there's no hard and fast rule saying older, you know, everything (laughs) struggles when it gets cold like that versus younger. It really depends on the vegetable itself. Um, But these are, again, things that as you look to see what what's thriving and in cases where you don't feel like something's thriving, these are things to consider. Yeah. Right. One of lettuces, the opposite. Those young lettuces, they can't handle it. But the older yeah. the lettuce, the better it is, you know. K- yeah. uh, collards are the same way. I mean, I guess the one thing to think about is you just want your plants to get in the ground and get comfortable before you start getting mm-hmm. that cold. Like, you don't want to look at the weather and be like, shit, it's going to it's gonna be 32 next week. Let me go put my seedlings out. Like at that time, the ship has already sailed, which is why this series is coming out in the time that it is, because we want people to have enough time. I mean, it, it's, you know, as as a podcaster and a, and a um, video creator, YouTuber, whatever you want to call it, it's hard to be standing outside in the mid 90s talking about fall. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like it, mm-hmm. it just—it's yeah. because I got to be a little bit forward thinking about it, and you know, as a gardener, you do too. So just moving forward that way can kind of help you. 
Yeah, it's um, and and I, uh, <laughs> I think that just the spirit of the gardener as well, right? Like, it's a long road to for me to get to. All right, I have a enough peppers to make my favorite dish, right? I have enough, you know, eggplant to make my favorite dish. And right in the middle of that moment, it's like, what are you planning for fall? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, well, gosh, can I look around here and, you know, get comfortable? Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you should, you should uh, strive if if this is your desire to have kind of this multi-season season garden to do both. And it's been a struggle for me. Let's just be transparent. And back to your point of, um, you know, kind of knowing your garden space, it's something that I have continued to learn year over year. And hey, guess what? If you expand it this year or you expand it last year, you got a new space to learn. Yeah, you do. You know, <laughs> right? Um, and and that's that's okay, but that's a part of it. Yeah. Um, so give yourself some grace is probably, I won't say the only thing I want you to take away from it, but as we go into fall, it can be challenging for different reasons but it could be really really cool no pun intended no pun Um, but give yourself some grace so um it has come to that part of the show and if you're new to the show the one thing is we give you a recipe of the day every week but when we come back after that i'm gonna give you a heads up batavia i'm gonna ask you a question and i'm gonna ask you what fall plant vegetable you're really going to try and focus on and grow better but first i got to give you the recipe of the day one of my favorite things about fall is wrapping up my tomatoes for the year so every year about this time, we end up getting a lot of green tomatoes, and I'm going to give out my recipe again for fried green tomatoes. It is easy and delicious. So, <clears throat> if you've never had a fried green tomato, stop what you're doing right now and slap yourself in the face because you're missing out on the best part of life. But um, you, I know you've had a fried green tomato. Don't slap yourself, Batavia. <laughs> so, all we do is we slice our potato, our potatoes, our tomatoes and slices and I coat them in cornstarch. I just lightly coat them in cornstarch with a little bit of old bay seasoning. That's it. Old bay seasoning. It's a crab seasoning, I know. If you're from the coast of Maryland down to South Carolina, then you know that that's like a staple. So we'll put um I don't I don't have exact measurements. Usually I do I get a paper plate. I put a pile of cornstarch on there and then I'll put like two to three tablespoons of this on there and then you coat them and then I fill up a pan so they're halfway with oil so I don't ever deep fry I don't know why I just kind of feel like it's better it's probably not but I do it that way and then when I I put them in when they brown on one side I flip them and then I sprinkle a little bit more Old Bay on them um, a variation that I've also used before is we eat a lot of Cajun food. So we use a uh, slap ya mama seasoning, S L A P Y A mama. Um, it's a Cajun seasoning. They have a hot and a mild one. So you can do that. Uh, and you just, you fry it and you enjoy it. And we'll eat this throughout the fall season as we clean up our gardens and everything. And we're wrapping up, we will eat multiple, probably it's probably about two weeks period, two to three weeks. We'll eat more and more and more of these uh, fried green tomatoes. 
That's it. It makes super easy. It makes me happy. One quick question on that. As you slice the tomato and then you're going to put the cornstarch on it, you're putting the cornstarch directly onto the tomato. Yeah. No, like, no kind of like no liquid. egg wash or anything like that. No. Right. And um, I do want to make a clarification. I said Old Bay, not Zatarans. Okay. <laughs> I do not support Zatarans in any way. And I'm not affiliated with Old Bay, but I'd love to be because we eat them all the time. So not Zatarans, yeah. Old Bay. No substitution. No. So I have, I'm going to answer your question and then I have one unrelated to gardening. Um, more about you and me, right? Oh, uh, no. And I know you love that kind of conversation. So I have a question before we wrap up. Um, I appreciate greatly you giving me a chance to think on which vegetable I'm really going to focus on. And my answer is going to be modified based on the time I have left. It's you always have a stipulation but for an answer every time. <laughs> so why? I mean, this is standard then. Yeah, it uh, is. it's spinach. It would have been be- um, beets, but I, my timing wasn't right. By that, I mean, I ended up sowing those seeds too late, I think. Right. But I didn't want to just give up on them. So I still sowed them. Um, but I don't think that I scheduled that correctly. Spinach, I got right. Right. So I am going to look forward to enjoying probably a bunch of fresh spinach. I just I'd have to dedicate most of my garden to really um, harvest enough spinach to be worth its while for like, you know, freezing or something like that. But spinach, you know, that's not a bad idea. It's like the fourth year that I've been trying this. I was literally typing as before, you know, you came back with the recipe uh, and it occurred to me it was an aha moment. You know, sometimes I believe I am brilliant. I believe that in every bit of my being. And then sometimes I have <laughs> really, and sometimes I have these moments where it's like, did you just close your eyes and go, you know, the screen go black for a second? Spring mix. So I was typing like, is spinach really considered a fall vegetable? I know we plant it right. in the fall, but is it really considered a fall vegetable? Then I realized how much, you know, in the stores you have spring mix. And it never occurred to me, spring as in, this is when these vegetables thrive, these, you know, like lettuce mixes and stuff. Uh, so anywho, that was the moment where it's like, you can't be brilliant about everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, spinach, what about you? So as usual, I have like a couple but one that I really want to hone in on is I'm really looking to get a good uh, rutabaga harvest this year. Mm-hmm. I would rather have rutabagas and turnips in my garden. So either that or, like you said, spinach. That's been a tougher nut to crack. I've kind of, I did Brussels sprouts the past couple of years and I'm, I'm doing them again, but I, I got a small harvest last year. So I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with like, hey, you, you may or may not get a harvest, but that's okay. But yeah. um, rutabaga is something that I really want to do because it's a lot longer growing time than turnips. So that's something I want to focus on. Yeah, I uh, I planted, I sowed some seeds and it takes them a while to germinate and it takes them a long, I mean, what are they, like a hundred day crop? And so I would have put actually, the order would have been rutabaga as far as like things that I really hope do well in the fall. Rutabaga, excuse me, turnips, beets, 
and then probably spinach because yeah. I really know that I have a great chance at it in spring and I can get that in and out of my garden. So I would have ordered it that way. But because of the turnaround time for those root crops, I'm just not convinced I've set myself up for the, you know, the best uh, turnout for that. Yeah. But we'll see, you know, we will. What was the other question you had for me? Um. So when you refer to the person that birthed you, do you call her mother, mom? Like when you're talking to her like you're calling her name if you will that's incredibly private yeah it is mama i call her mama or ma <laughs> either one but yeah mama yeah so for me it's mama oh is it but i spell it yeah i spell it m-o-m-m-a like if i'm typing that's something how I like do yeah i was talking to my mama you know which uh, the thought came up when you said slap your mama is that it's on the brand yeah. it's spelled m-a-m-a anyway um you're just a good old country boy uh-huh. yep that's what i i didn't think about it like that yeah my dad calls his mom mother when she was alive they all mm-hmm. called her mother Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and I, she I'm was not my from grandmother, the country, but like your very proper yeah. grandmother. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yep. I also, when I talk about my grandmother, when I I speak about her to you as my grandmother, but I called her mama too. So everybody, um, I have this little four foot thing outside my door sniffing around i can hear him and i'm saying this so he can hear me but um i hope you guys have truly enjoyed this and now you know what to expect from your fall garden when it'll start i want to say stop looking like crap but really start to look good and thrive um you know next week we'll be back with um well to be exact we'll be long back with how long will your fall garden last so we're going to kind of keep going on this discussion. Um, that is a working title. Of course, it is subject to change. So don't be don't be um, fooled by that if you see a different title. But um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you guys make some fried green tomatoes, man. We hope you enjoyed today's show. See Please ya. follow us on YouTube at Backyard Gardens TV. Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV. Over on our website, BackyardGardensTV.com. And then we have Patreon at Backyard Gardens. And don't forget to check out our links below to help the show. Thank you so much for joining us as we learn to grow and grow for change. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.